Stop me if you've heard this one before. We just need to elect the right politicians so that they will appoint the right judges and then we can overturn Roe v. Wade. Ha! It actually would be funny if it weren't so stinking sad. Welcome all you beautiful people. Thank you for checking out the podcast. This is Right All Week. I am Dave. And if you would like to interact on any of the usual social media networks, whatever's left, please look for the username at Right All Week. If I'm still on YouTube, then please do us a favor, like, subscribe, share. That would be most beneficial. Of course, on the audio platforms, please do the same, especially the sharing part, because we do want to try to help get people together, coalesce around these ideas, and there are people out there who still need to be exposed to our message. So do it for them, do it for you, it's good for the nation as a whole. Now, I wanna to talk to specifically today, it's all over the news now, Mississippi has a an abortion ban bill, and it's being heard now, the Supreme Court has accepted that they're going to listen to arguments about this case. So I wanna give some clarification as best as I can so that we all have a good, healthy expectation moving forward. First of all, what is this law in Mississippi? There have been arguments for, well, my entire life, honestly, and if you're a person who's been trying to do what you can to propagate the pro-life message, then you understand that the people, the pro-baby killers, leftists and the like, uh, they have a very interesting way of doing arguments. See, like if they want to come against something that's moral, then they try to find some scientific way to obfuscate the moral obligation. So because science, no morals. Or if we find something that science actually supports our moral position, well then, no, these other, their version of morals to obfuscate the science. So they are very uh, selective about when morals are more important than science and when science is more important than morals. Now, for example, when we talk about abortion or infanticide, uh, baby murdering is what it really is. Uh, when we talk about this, they have their extreme cases and they always say, well, what about the cases of rape? What about cases of incest? Or name some other extreme exception and to which if you've had any training, maybe they told you, okay, let's just say for a moment, I will concede those things, then will you be willing to help me eliminate all of the others? Which, if you've ever done this, you will have seen it's pretty much never the case. I have had one person in my entire adult life using that method, one person said, yeah, okay, I'm cool with that. One! <laughs> and I've been a part of the pro-life movement for, well, longer than I want to talk about. So, uh, that's not uh, how it usually goes, but this specific case is going to prove what we've always said, that they actually don't care about those extreme cases. They're just using those as a way to justify what they really want. Now, this bill actually does do a pretty good job of balancing some of the other arguments. People want to talk about at what level of development do we have to worry about certain conditions? At which point, you know, do we want to try to, to nail down some kind of a point, draw a line, which is, I think this is the reason why we want to go for, if you're a pro-life person, you want to argue for conception because it gets really hard to pick a line somewhere along the child's development and say, well, this is the point. But going with statistics and science and all the arguments, you know, they kind of try to find a way to strike a balance. Here's something you might not know, that of all the industrial, progressive, Western nations in the world, the United States is rather unique in the sense that we don't already have a national ban on terminating pregnancies after a certain point. 
Most nations, a lot of the progressive places that they want us to be so much like, well, they actually, a lot of them already have rules just like this. And I find it interesting that they want, again, they're double standards, they're just not willing to make things equal or treat things the same way because they'll come after you. If you want to own a gun in order to protect yourself and they look at the Second Amendment, the shall not be a French, right? The right of the people to possess firearms shall not be a French. And they go and they write these rules and these regulations and do things that make it harder for you to actually exercise that Second Amendment right by saying, well, we're not actually infringing. Somehow or another, all of these things, these impediments, these complications, these extra requirements, these rules and regulations, they're not infringing. So playing loose with that term there. But then if we come on this side and we go for the pro-life thing and say, well, we're putting up extra requirements and they'll do all of the flip-flop and all of that. Well, you can't have any regulations. You can't have any requirements. You can't have any extra impediments that people need to overcome in order to get there. You're uh, coming against their right, which in this case, the right to terminate a pregnancy is not specifically laid out in the Constitution. Back in Roe v. Wade, they just said, oh, a right to privacy. Somehow or another, you just stretch that right to privacy open far enough and it includes killing your children. So they're unequal about that as well. But this law in Mississippi has tried to find a way to push all of this stuff aside and to find a balance. And so now they've got this. The, there are still exceptions that are allowed. They have the extreme exceptions that people can get, but they're also going with what's very common in other nations after a certain point, no. So up until that point, 14 weeks as it is in this case, up through 14 weeks, they don't have those same limitations. After 14 weeks, then the extreme limitations come in. And have they, the rest of the people, those who are the pro-baby killers, are they okay with that? Because they still, well, she can still get to their 14 weeks. Or uh, she can still use all of the arguments that we make with regard to abuse and incest, rape, or whatever else, they can make a case for their extreme exceptional situation. Nope, they're not okay with it. Proving us right all along. The only thing they're consistent about is the death part. You're not allowed to own a gun to defend yourself. They would rather that you die. And we're not allowed to find a way to protect innocent, defenseless children who haven't even had a chance yet. Uh, they're, they just want them dead too. So the death part is the only thing that's consistent. But this is the case that is now going to be heard in the Supreme Court. They want to make arguments about it because they want to try to find a way to say that the state of Mississippi is violating the Constitution by putting these regulations out there. Well, maybe you know your history about this, and maybe you don't. Roe v. Wade, of course, being the first one back in the 70s, and then there was another one that happened again well, about 1992. So we're looking at almost three decades since the last time we've heard a case like this. So this has a couple of possible outcomes. The first one being, hey, we win that they, maybe the reason that the justice have chosen to take it is because they already know how they want to vote. That happens all the time. Uh, so the arguments really won't matter. They just want to bring it in so that way they can say that, yes, that we're going to, do, to, uh, to allow that. And I've been saying for a long, long time now, we actually don't need some sort of a national level. It's why I, why I open up with the joke here about Roe v. Wade. Overturning Roe v. Wade is not necessary. All right, Roe v. Wade is not an actual legislature. Roe v. Wade is an opinion of the court. So we don't need the opinion of the court. We don't need to treat that the same way as we do legislature that comes from the federal level. There's other things if you want to get into your, to your civics, ways to handle that too. But on the state level, they are allowed to write these rules. Then uh, we don't need to accept the 
Supreme Court justice's opinion, and that's what it is called, an opinion or a ruling, uh, we don't need to accept that regardless. This happened in the past, okay? In fact, uh, Lincoln was somebody who just decided, okay, thanks for your opinion, but I'm still going to govern accordingly. And I've been saying for a long time now, states can just write their own. We don't need to worry about whether or not Roe v. Wade is doing anything. And if we decide as a nation that we would like to be a pro-life nation, we don't have to overturn Roe v. Wade. All we really need to do is to affirm a baby's right to life. We can do that with another amendment. Uh, the uh, right to be born shall not be infringed. Or we just acknowledge that they are equal protection under the law like everybody else who fits the currently existing persons and citizens of the United States. Uh, everybody else who's a human, you have equal protection under the law and it doesn't change just because you happen to have a lesser level of development or that you're currently located inside and, and sharing the nutrients of your mother. So stuff like that would solve it too, which is why I'm saying we don't need it, but it's going to happen. This case is going to be heard and we'll see what the results are. Now I would like to do us all a favor and push past this because this is the big news right now and everybody wants to tout it and I'm afraid it's going to become a lot like Big Baby. If you don't know what Big Baby is, it's probably the biggest reason why we haven't had any real success in the pro-life movement yet because people who call themselves conservative, people who call themselves Republican, which that really doesn't have a whole lot of meaning anymore. Anyways, these specific politicians like to use this pro-life message as a rallying cry to get more votes and as a mean to get more funding. So they get money, if they get votes, they get elected, they have more opportunity to do the other things that they do. But if you solve the pro-life problem, then we might actually lose that support and those funds. So they've used this for decades as a means to get things, and they might lose that now if they win, which is really close to the point that I really want to make past this. I think we're in danger of losing everything regardless of this decision. If they choose to side with Mississippi and say, yes, we're going to let this law stand, it could be seen as the biggest pro-life victory since Roe v. Wade. Probably would be. Because we've protected all of those babies, except for the exigent extreme circumstances or whatever, after those 14 weeks. Problem with that is, we take it, we look at it and say, we won. And now these same states just start writing all the same laws. We kind of copying it, but we give up the fight. We get complacent because we, why do we need to fight anymore if we're winning? Or, on the other side, let's say we lose. Well, now three strikes are out. We tried to fight against Roe v. Wade. We tried again in the 90s. We're trying again now with this case. And we've been trying all this time. It's going to be just the, the biggest disillusionment of the conservative legal movement in my entire life. Because we've been trying so hard to get to this point. We finally get here. And then they say no. And now the rug's pulled out from under you. You lose all hope. And now we're not going to fight anymore because for the same reason that we gave up on the marriage amendment. Did you know that 30 plus states actually voted so that they could have an amendment specifically saying what marriage is. Marriage is one man, one woman. This is it. And 30 states had already done this, including your super liberal state over there in California. And the activists, your alphabet activists couldn't have that, and neither could your other liberal leftist people who just wanted to, to help make sure that we were on the fast track to degeneracy. They couldn't accept that there were a majority of citizens in a majority of states who wanted to affirm the biblical definition, or at least the traditional definition, of what a marriage is. And so they had the court 
flip-flopped that. And since then, where's the fight? How many people do you hear talking about that anymore? Do you? How many Christians, how many church pastors do you know who are even willing to say anything about that? So they'll just let that go after this fight too. It'll be, well, we lost. That's the federal level. I guess that's a law now. It's not a law. It'll just be a decision, whichever it is. But I imagine either way, win or lose, the problem will be that we will consider the debate settled and the fight will go away and the cost of that, win or lose, will be dead babies. Maybe a different age level of dead babies. I'll have to make sure they kill them by a certain level of development, but there will still be dead babies even if we win and we just impose this new criteria on everybody. So this is why I want to get the message out to everyone today, that we need to not accept this. All right, well, no matter what decision comes out, the thing that we need more than anything else is a pure conscience. A conscience that is sensitive to what the truth is. Science affirms it, and that's the reason they don't want to talk about it anymore, but it really is a very spiritual matter as a, uh, also. Because there is a judge who sits above the judges in the Supreme Court, and I've talked about that in previous podcasts, don't need to do it again, but that judge is above. He is higher. He is wiser. He has more power, and he's more right. And that's the judge that we need to see us as a people, regardless of what the Supreme Court decides. The people need to accept the fact that we will all stand before the higher judge one day, and we need to have our consciences in alignment with his. So that way, we are helping to propagate what he says is right, what he says is true, the right judgments on his behalf. We need a voice in this nation today. The babies need a voice in this nation today. And that's not going to change with one court decision. It won't change until all of their lives are equally protected in the same way that our lives are protected. So that's what they need. And we need your help to do that. You need to share that message, learn to how to share that message, share videos like this one that help to share that message message so that more people will be exposed to it. More people will begin to be persuaded and the support and the conviction for pro, the pro-life message in it as a whole will be, will grow and will continue to permeate. It'll be the dominant voice in this culture and the lives will be saved as a result. So that's what I'm asking from you guys today. Do what you can to be a part of that. Don't sit back on your, don't rest on your laurels as they say and let somebody else resolve this and don't think that this case is going to solve it because it's not going to solve it. If there's going to be a solution, it's going to come from us. We will be the solution in this case as we do everything possible to, re to rescue the babies by changing hearts and minds, persuading people. So if you finish this, I appreciate you. I hope that you'll come back for more content where we will do this again. This is Right A Week where we talk about what's right, how it's right, and why it matters. <laughs> <laughs>